fascinating facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Magnificent Monday to all of you. It's good to be back for another week on the show. It's a fresh week. It's a fresh start. And we're going to have some really, hopefully, fresh shows for you. And I'm going to actually crack open a fresh beverage. I'm not going to tell you what it is. But you don't have to be a particular age to drink it. It's actually just Diet Cola. I'm not affiliated with a particular brand, but if anybody wants to sponsor me, go ahead and give me a call. Actually, I'll give out the number to everybody right now. 888-914-9149. Studio line to talk to me for free on The Kale Clark Show. 888-914-9149. You can also email the program. Kale, C-A-L-E at RelevantRadio.com. And you can follow me on the X app at... Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. Lots of good stuff to talk about today. In fact, I'm going to share a really heartwarming story with you later. You might want, I'm just giving you a fair warning in advance. You might want to grab the tissues. It might get a little bit dusty in here. Just giving you a fair warning on that. It's, it's a really good story, though. It's a feel-good story. I hope you'll stick around for that. But I entitled this episode, Detached for Reality. <laughs> Many people that we know are detached from reality. Uh, but we, we need to detach for reality. What am I talking about? I'm talking about detachment. This is a spiritual skill that we've got to learn. And today's gospel, actually, by the way, today's the feast of Pope St. Pius X, uh, personal hero of mine. He, he, he was the guy who was responsible for lowering the age of First Communion to about the age of reason, the age of seven. And uh, my daughter, Michaela, who was telling kid jokes last week during the pledge drive, as you know, she she's that age right now. She's seven, and she is chomping at the bit. And, hey, so she's a big fan of Pope Pius X right now because she really wants to make her first communion. And uh, we ask him to pray for us. We, we certainly have a Eucharistic revival that's going to be happening. Well, we can really start this right now, but next year, 2024, of course, in July in Indianapolis, we will be right there. The K.O. Clark Show will be there and all the other fine programs of Relevant Radio. We will be at the house that Peyton built in Indianapolis. <laughs> I don't know what it's called now. They keep changing the name of it. Is it still Lucas Oil Field, producer Jim? I think it might be. Anyways, that's that's where the Indianapolis Colts play. And we'll be touching down there as well, and uh, along with 80,000 people for the Eucharistic Congress in July of 2024. And I hope that you'll be there too. If you want more information, just go to relevantradio.com slash revival, and you'll get more information on that. So... All right, well, listen, I have to tell you about today's gospel. This is really interesting. This is the famous rich young ruler passage in Matthew chapter 19. It says, a young man approached Jesus and said, teacher, what good must I do to gain eternal life? Really what he's saying is, as some translations have it, what good deed must I do to gain eternal life? Jesus answered him, why do you ask me about the good? There is only one who is good, with a capital O. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He asked him, which ones? And Jesus replied, you shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. It's kind of, it's kind of funny. Which ones? Oh, they, well, how about all of them, for starters? You, know, you can't just pick and choose here. Jesus replied, you shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all of these I have observed. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you wish to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will 
have treasure in heaven, then come and follow me. When the young man heard this statement, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Now, okay, we're really familiar with this particular gospel, and of course there's a version of this in Mark's gospel as well, and also in the gospel of Luke. And he's known as the rich young ruler. I remember there used to be a a popular contemporary Christian music band called Rich Young Ruler, which I thought was a pretty cool name for a band. And uh, it doesn't actually say he's a rich young ruler in this passage. In Mark's gospel, somebody calls him a man. And then here in Matthew chapter 19, he's a young man. It says that a couple, in a couple of different places. And then in Luke chapter 18, which is the other place where you can find this account, in what are called the synoptic gospels. It's a Greek word that means seeing with one eye. There's a lot of similar stuff in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John's a different animal. In Luke chapter 18, he's called a ruler. So you kind of put all that in a blender and and you come out with the rich young ruler, which, yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, probably all those things were were true. And it's interesting when when he says to Jesus, what good deed must I do? to have eternal life. It's interesting because this word do, what what good deed must I do, that actually comes from the Old Testament. This guy really knows his scriptures a little bit because in the book of Leviticus, it talks about the importance of doing the law. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5. If you keep the statutes of the law, statutes of the law, if you do the law, if you will, then you'll live. Then you'll live. And in fact, somebody asked me last week, what, what Bible did Jesus read? What you know, and it was, he was probably very familiar with the Aramaic paraphrase of the Bible, which was used in the synagogues of Nazareth. And in the Aramaic version of Leviticus, this, this really has to do with eternal life. If you do the law, you're going to get eternal life. And that's exactly what this guy is asking Jesus. He's saying, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? So is there something in the law? Is he's really looking for a magic bullet? Is, is there one thing I have to do? If I just do this one thing, then what, what, what's my what's my golden ticket, you know, to the finals of American Idol, if you will? Um, and that's what he that he that's what he wants uh, Jesus to tell him. So Jesus says this. Okay, if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. And it, it's interesting because. This, this is really important, too, for Matthew, because Matthew is a very Jewish gospel. That's why it comes first in the New Testament. It's a great bridge. It wasn't the first gospel that was written, but it's a great bridge between the Old Testament and the New, because Matthew takes great pains to show Jesus is not a lawbreaker. He keeps the law. Jesus says, hey, not one you know, cross of a T or dot of an I will depart from the law until everything is accomplished. Jesus is not a lawbreaker. Many people accused him of being kind of just taking a real departure, taking an off-ramp from the law of Moses. Not the case. He said, I've not come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill it. I've come to fulfill it. So in, in the synagogues, you don't need to worry about, about Jesus being, being off track here. And so th- this is another example of that. That's Jesus saying, hey, keep the commandments. He respects the commandments. And, and in the Catholic Church, we don't get rid of the commandments just because we're in the new covenant. We still have to obey the Ten Commandments. And in fact, when you read the catechism, that it's sort of split up along those lines. How we, what we believe, the creed, um, how to live, the Ten Commandments, and then how to pray. The Lord's Prayer is a, a kind of a model prayer, the Our Father. And so, 
what he's saying here is that the commandments are life. These aren't relics of the past. These are life. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. <laughs> if you're fans of, of uh, Ted Lasso, remember the, the Danny Rojas character? Football is life. You know, the, the commandments are life. And that's the old, the old covenant commandments. They're still valid today. They're still valid today. Not the ceremonial works of the law. Things like the dietary laws, kosher food laws, they, they can be dispensed with. But the commandments are they're eternal. God doesn't get rid of those. And if you read the Sermon on the Mount, it, it, Jesus actually kind of intensifies them a little bit because they're not just about outer behaviors. It's about the inner attitude, about the heart. He goes deeper. He goes to the heart level. And so that that's all over the Bible. It's if you read the Old Testament, this idea of life and the commandments being linked together, it's just all over the place. The Dead Sea Scrolls as well. We talked about the Dead Sea Scrolls a little bit last week. One of the scrolls that they found, it talks about the works of the law. And if you don't observe the law, it's a bad deal. But if you do observe the law, you will be able to rejoice at the end time. Rejoice at the end time. Rejoice in eternity. And that's exactly what this guy is looking for. What good deed must I do to have eternal life? So that, so Jesus says, look, you got to keep the commandments to have life. And then he, this guy says, well, which ones? <laughs> And it's interesting because there's a lot of commandments that Jesus could have cited here. He cites the Ten Commandments, specifically the ones having to do with loving your neighbor. Because if you break it all down, if you want the Old Testament in a nutshell, as Jesus said elsewhere, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. When you look at the Ten Commandments, they're split up into loving God and loving neighbor. So he cites some of these commandments. Um, Let's see what he says here in, in verse 18. Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, no lying. Honor your father and mother. Also, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, which is kind of interesting. That, that That's not in the Ten Commandments, but again, this is that's what they are. It's loving your neighbor, as it says in Leviticus 19, verse 18. Now, it's in, in Mark's version of this account, with the man coming up to Jesus, Jesus says something else, too. He also adds in, do not defraud. That's, that's also not one of the Ten Commandments, but that's exactly what the religious leaders of Jerusalem were doing. Not, not the people, but the religious leaders. They were defrauding people. Think about the story of the widow's might. You know, everyone thinks that's a great example of sacrificial giving, which it is. She puts her two small copper coins in, in, the, in the big collection. It was like a horn. Uh, it's called a shofar. It's kind of a big golden shofar, and, and it's meant to trumpet your giving, if you will. Everybody wants to be seen doing this, you know, throwing their big cardboard checks, you know, in the offertory plate, if you will. But but she's really putting in her last meal. It's enough to make one muffin cake, which which is her last meal, enough to buy the flour to make one muffin cake. And Jesus, yes, it's an example of sacrificial giving and trusting in God. But Jesus also says, right before this, he, he says that these guys are avaricious. They devour widows' houses, the temple rulers, the high priest and all his cronies. And this is a great, this is exhibit A. Here's a, here's a woman, here's a widow whose house is literally devoured. They, they should have been helping her instead of defrauding her. And so this, this is one of the big things that Jesus is pointing out here. You're listening to the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. But here, here's where the detachment comes in. Detach yourself for reality. The young man says to Jesus, I've kept all these. And I think he's being sincere about that. Is he perfect? Is he sinless? No, but, but he... He's done it as best as he possibly can. 
And he says, what do I still lack? And Jesus says to him, if you wish to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And when the young man heard this word, he went away grieving for he had many possessions. So we, we know this really, really well, but what really kind of stood out to me when I was at mass this morning and I heard this reading was when Jesus says, if you wish to be perfect, I thought, wow, he said that before in Matthew's gospel. He used this word perfect. I don't know if you remember, it's back in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Jesus says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Oh, and by the way, he wasn't just saying that to his apostles. He wasn't just saying that uh, to his priests. That was, the multitudes were there. The multitudes were there, doctors, lawyers, you know. Woe, woe to you lawyers. <laughs> uh, everybody was there. Farmers, manual laborers. Yeah, some rabbis too, some teachers of the law, no doubt. But Jesus says to everybody that was there, to the crowd, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, this doesn't mean we're going to be impeccable. It doesn't mean we're going to be sinless. That's, that's impossible. But we can strive for perfection and love. Perfection and love. And, and also, here, here's the other thing that... that Jesus had said earlier in the gospel, before we get to this point, the readings at Mass these days are going through the gospel of Matthew for the gospel. Um, and remember the parable of the sower. What was, what was one of, this guy is a, a living example of one of the, the seeds that don't grow. And the parable of the soils, if you will, the, the, heart, the hearts. This is a heart that's not receptive. Because don't forget, that one of the soils that is unfruitful, the, the, the chokes the, the word, that chokes the seed of the word, is the thorns. If you look at Matthew 13, the cares of the world, the lure of wealth, choke the word. It doesn't grow. It can't grow. It can't get through all, all the weeds and all the, all the thorns and thistles and brambles that are out there. And that's exactly what's going on with this guy. That's exactly what's going on. He goes away grieving because he has many possessions. So, the worries about wealth, the cares of the world, the treasure uh, from a human perspective, that was his particular issue. And this is not a blanket when Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, then you've got to sell everything you have, give it to the poor and come and follow me. That was to him specifically. There are other rich people in the New Testament who follow Jesus. If you, if you read the gospel, you, you, you hear about people were giving out of their wealth so that Jesus and his merry band of apostles could have something to eat every day. Um, the wife of, of Herod's steward was one of these women who was giving to Jesus. Whether her husband knew about this is another story. You know, she had the credit card, but um, no, I'm sure she had her own copy. But th this is this Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus. These guys are well off, and, and they provided out of their considerable means for Jesus to have a, a proper burial. And, and, and one that was fitting. And so there are, there are other people who are commended. So the, the problem is this guy, this guy had possessions, but really his possessions were possessing him. That was the problem. Not the case for Joseph of Arimathea, not the case for Nicodemus, but this guy, this quote-unquote rich young ruler, his possessions possessed him. He was not detached. They were, he was very much attached. Like, like a... Like a barnacle on the hull of a ship so the my question to you is what is possessing you maybe it is wealth maybe it is wealth 
but but there might be something else in your life that Jesus is putting his finger on and he's saying this is separating you from God's will. Jesus wasn't wasn't attached to anything except for the will of his father, the will of his heavenly father. And the same should be true for us. So I don't know what your attachment is. It might be money, it might be your job. Maybe God's calling you to something else and you just don't want to let go. Maybe it's your your house. Maybe it's your I don't know, your country, maybe some people, God might be calling them to go to another land, and, and it's, it's, it's pretty rare. Usually he wants you to bloom where you're planted and just kind of change your perspective on things. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a, a relationship that keeps dragging you down into sin. Maybe it's stuff. Maybe it is your phone. Maybe it's distracting you uh, on many levels, distracting you from your prayer, from God. Maybe it's a car. Maybe it's golf. Oh, that's a good attachment, I think. Uh, but anything can be can be something that takes the place of of God in your life and and we have to be very wary of this so think about this for a minute when we come back I'm gonna give you guys a little quiz are you really detached we'll talk about it plus a heartwarming story true story about somebody who was not attached at all not he was very detached very genuine and this went viral this came back in the news it's Kale Clark show on relevant radio be right back 888-914-9149 your mind off traffic and on the more important things in life it's kale clark on relevant radio hey welcome back to the program 888-914-9149 it's a toll-free line to call in right now 888-914-9149 also i really want to give a shout out to all of you listeners for getting us through our pledge drive or summer pledge drive last week we were able to hit our target we burst through it over the weekend and uh, we passed that magical $3 million barrier. But if you didn't get a chance to give, uh, you can still do so. Get a tax-deductible donation in by going to our website, relevantradio.com, checking out the app. You'll see it there. Or calling this number, 877-291-0123. Different number than our toll-free listener line, 877-291-0123. And once again, thank you for your extreme generosity. And I would say detachment, uh, which the rich young ruler certainly did not have, did not have, and he walked away sad and there's an example in the news it kind of kind of came back in the news cycle over the last uh, day or so because it's the one year anniversary tomorrow of when the world discovered a guy named kevin ford who at the time was a 54 year old employee of burger king who worked at the location that, that happened to be in the las vegas airport and he had been there for 27 years years he had worked there for 27 years straight did not take a vacation did not take any didn't call in sick did, didn't miss a shift for any reason which which is incredible especially producer jim and i were talking about this uh, off air during the break and especially in that kind of industry i mean managers kind of expect people as jim said to to sort of not show up from time to time it's just the nature of the beast but this guy never never did that. He never cut bait. He was always there, always reliable. And it's an honorable profession. You're, ma- you're making food for people. Um, was it lucrative? Problem. No. But he never missed a day, never missed a shift in 27 years. And, and he went viral around this time last year because of the fact 
that his manager decided to quote unquote, and I, I really strongly am using those air quotes right now, celebrate uh, his faithfulness and, and his uh, his uh, industriousness by giving him a little gift, and I do mean little. Uh, and so here, here's the audio. He he actually posted this video Kevin Ford did on TikTok, and it went viral. And, and the audio, I apologize in advance, the audio is not great. It's the best we could do with it. We tried to clean it up a little bit. But he was wearing a mask at the time. This is filmed on a smartphone. But but he's describing the gift package that he got from his manager upon reaching this 27-year milestone. Check it out. Hey, I just want you guys to know that on all these days where it's hard to keep employees and not feeling appreciated, uh, I've been, I've worked here for 27 years. I've never missed not one day of work, never called out. And I want you to know that we're, uh, it's good that you appreciate it. This is what I got me for. They also got me the chocolate cake last week. And I just I had a, a bag, a nice a movie ticket. Thank you very much. And I also got a bag of Reese's. This is very nice from Starbucks. Thank you guys. And uh, it's like the lanyard. Two pins and a couple of keys chains and two lifesavers. So it's good to show what they, you know, their appreciation for, uh, for loyalty and for all you've done for the company. This is my reward for work for 27 years. Thank you, guys. Okay, so I apologize again for the for the audio quality there. It's uh, filmed in a busy restaurant. Lots of noise in the background. What did he say? And again, he, he was working at the Harry Reid International Airport in Las Vegas, the Burger King location, and he's been working for 27 years straight there, never missed a shift. And Kevin Ford said, so he was presented with one of those plastic drawstring backpack bags. If you've ever seen those, they're pretty popular kind of corporate giveaway things. And what was in it? This was this was his, his loot bag, if you will, uh, for reaching this milestone. And so he's kind of opening it up, showing everybody what's inside. And there was a movie ticket. Just one. Couldn't even take a buddy. A movie ticket. A Starbucks plastic tumbler with a straw. You know those ones, right? Um, a bag of Reese's Pieces. Two packages of Lifesavers. Two pens. A lanyard. And two keychains. That's it. And he sort of presents this and says, this is my reward for working 27 years. Thank you, guys. Now, you would think he's being sarcastic about this, except he wasn't. He wasn't. He was totally grateful for this. He had, he had said at the beginning of his video that, you know, sometimes you, you, know, you work in this job and you wonder if people appreciate what you do, what you bring to the table every day. And his manager gave him this. He wasn't expecting it. So he shows everybody this in this video, all, all the stuff he's got in his grab bag. And then he, he gives a big two thumbs up to the camera. He's actually, he's literally grateful for this gift. He's totally grateful for it. And he's not being sarcastic at all. And he feels like he's being seen, like he's being recognized. Well, anyway, so he posts this and it clearly uh, did not strike the same chord with a lot of uh, listeners, viewers on social media. They were aghast that the company would this this is what you do for this guy he clocks in every day for 27 years and uh here's some quotes that, that popped up on social media in response to this uh one user said this is wrong on so many levels give him a week off with pay so he can visit his grandchildren uh, another person said uh two um 
Kevin Ford himself, the employee in question, quote, you, sir, deserve way more than this, end of quote. And many people sort of called out Burger King, called out the corporation uh, by saying, do better. <laughs> do better. So, somebody at the corporate head office has got to see this and do something about this. Well, uh, Kevin Ford's daughter, Serena, I was interviewed by People Magazine, and, and she was on Twitter when she saw, which is now known as the X app, of course, she was scrolling on Twitter, and then she saw her dad's video, which was kind of cross-posted. It was on TikTok originally. It got cross-posted to Twitter. And she saw, that's how she found out about it. And then she saw all these comments saying, somebody needs to start a GoFundMe for this man. And his daughter, Kevin Ford's daughter, Serena, said, I, I should probably do that. I mean, I'm his daughter. Maybe I could do that. So that's what she did. She started a GoFundMe page for her dad. And, and and she also said, by the way, when she when she set up the page, she said that her dad, Kevin Ford, originally began working at this job at Burger King 27 years ago. He was a single dad. He had just gained custody of Serena and her older sister 27 years ago. Serena now lives in Texas. And she said, quote, then as our family grew and he re- remarried, he continued to work there because of the amazing health insurance that was provided through this employer because it was unionized. And that got all four of his daughters through high school and college with full health care coverage, end of quote. You're listening to the K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. So she kind of set up this GoFundMe page, and she said, hey, we're not really expecting anything here, but anybody who feels like blessing my dad can go ahead, because he would love to have enough money at some point just to hop on a plane, and come and visit his grandchildren. Well, boy, did, did people ever respond to this. In fact, within the first two days, she had to update it eight different times to, to thank everybody for the outpouring of support. And the goal moved from $2,700. They were just hoping to get him a return flight to Texas and, and then you know a little bit of money for a hotel or something. Then the goal became $27,000. Then it became $100,000, and it just kept going and serena said quote it was just like this really wasn't happening because stuff like this just doesn't happen and it definitely doesn't happen to people like us i think other people wanted to be part of something beautiful for once and this is beautiful it's a miracle and and this is incredible because and it is a really good insight by, by his daughter serena she said she said that she thought everyone responded and just wanted to give because they they, they saw this video of her dad and maybe people saw their own father or their own grandfather or, or, or their husband or themselves or their mom, whoever it is that provides for the family, working hard. And they sort of saw their loved ones in him, and that just kind of inspired them. So as of now, it's been, it's, since they started the GoFundMe, it's raised over $420,000. And that money is going to go to a retirement account. For Kevin Ford. In fact, even the actor David Spade donated, and they kind of became buddies through this. And and Kevin Ford has actually like you know kind of sent him a text message saying happy birthday, and they kind of talk a little bit. And it, this this became a big deal. And so Kevin Ford actually was invited to go onto the Today Show on NBC. And he, and here's what he said when he was on that program. Why do you think your story? It, like, it resonated with so many people. Why do you think there were so many people that saw this video and they said, you know what, I want to message that guy or I want to give to this GoFundMe campaign? I, I think it's just have to do with the fact that um, 
people love to see somebody grateful for something and happy for the little things, which I am. I, I've been through a lot. Everybody's been through a lot. So I look toward the smaller things in life and, you know, I'm grateful for everything. I'm grateful for every day I wake up that I could go to work, that I could be a good citizen, be a good American and just, you know, do my part. So that's, I'm just grateful for everything, everything I get. Yeah, that is an amazing attitude. We need more of this in society and culture, don't you think? You're listening to the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. Like I said, he was truly grateful to get this this loot bag, if you will, uh, from his manager, this 27-year, you know, he's clocked in for 27 years straight, no days off, no holidays, no sick days. And he gets what to many of us would be, feel like a pathetic gift, and he was actually humbled and, and grateful for it. It kept him going, and and you can simply imagine uh, what he's feeling now with, with the outpouring of generosity from people all around the world. Well, this is a guy who certainly was not attached. He's, he's very detached. Uh, the rich young ruler, he, he, he was attached to his money, to his stuff. And so I, I think this is a virtue that we really have to work on for sure. And here's the problem. I mean, our society, no doubt, it's, it's built on this concept of, of hedonism, materialism, consumerism. The one with the most toys in the end wins. And we people want more. They want it now. And, and it, as Catholic Christians, it's it's very tough for us to live in this environment. It's it's a little bit like be, being a fish in, you know, in an ocean filled with pollution and, you know, plastic bottles and everything. It, it's all over the place. And, and so... Jesus really wants us to be aware of this. Not not only did he say this to to the rich young ruler, it's he, and and later on, of course, we'll probably see this in tomorrow's gospel. The disciples are amazed by this because culturally speaking, they were sort of conditioned to think that those who are well off materially must be pleasing to God. It was, it was sort of a version of the health and wealth gospel, uh, the insidious lie that's out there among some Christian groups that God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And if you're not, there's got to be some sort of a problem in your life. If you're sick, if you're, if you're financially struggling, then you, you must have done something to displease God. It must be because of some sin in your life. And Jesus says right after this in Matthew 19, hey, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And they're just like mind blown. Well, who can be saved then? Hang on here. Uh, and, and he really did mean, by the way, the eye of a sewing needle. It's not, there's this gate in Jerusalem called the Needle Gate, as, it, as, it's, as it's known, and unsuspecting pilgrims will go there, and tour guides will say to them, well, here's the Needle Gate. And uh, camels used to have to get down on their knees to get through the gate to get into the city. So just like that, we have to be humble before God. This is what Jesus is talking about. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. It's the Needle Gate. No, the needle gate didn't even exist in Jesus' day. It was it was came about in medieval times. They put this gate in. That's not what Jesus is talking about. If you look at the the Greek text of the gospel, especially in Luke's version, Doctor Luke, he, he knows of what he speaks here. He, he actually uses the word for a surgical sewing needle. This really is the eye of a needle. The point is, it's only possible with God, but God can make it happen. And he says also elsewhere, Jesus mentioned the truth that we cannot serve God in money. We can't make money our God. And we have to imitate Jesus. Again, he was only attached to the will of his father. Um, he, he, but he took care of his stuff. He lived poverty of spirit. 
poverty of spirit. We, we've got to do that too. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It means we have to have stuff. We, we're not living in monasteries. Maybe some of you guys listening are. If, if you're listening to Relevant Radio right now in the monastery, you might you might be being disobedient. Maybe you're not supposed to be doing that. You're supposed to be at your prayer time. But But most of us are in the middle of the world. We have to use stuff like houses, cars, clothes. Jesus did that. I mean, he 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 had this tunic that was so nice that when he was being crucified, the, the soldiers were gambling for it. They didn't want to just chuck it, as drenched as it was, maybe with sweat and even even his blood, you know, from from his ugh, incredible. It's a relic, but but it was a value. It was maybe maybe Mary made it for him. People speculate about this, but it was it was not. He wasn't shabbily dressed. He 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 used things. He he had a social life. Uh, he was invited to a wedding at Canaan Galilee. Who knows? Maybe he was a friend from high school, from Nazareth High, from Naz High. I, I don't know. I mean, he, he was in the community. So he, he used the things of the earth for the glory of God. And But there were times when those were taken away from him. He was hungry. He didn't, didn't he, there were times he, he was thirsty. He was tired. And he accepted that. He was detached and, and did the best he could. And, and so we, we've got to imitate Jesus in that way. We, we've got to, we have to use these things for the glory of God. But even things like our reputation, especially online, social media, people's reputation can be, people can be canceled in 30 seconds. Your, your whole, everything you built in your career over, over your lifetime can be gone. Are you detached from your reputation? Are you detached from your time? Are you detached from your financial security, from your comfort? It's, it's really, these are really good questions to ask ourselves. Um, how do we know what are needs and what, what is the need? Because God always meets the need, but what is the greed? It's sometimes hard to draw that line. We need to drive a car, but do I really need a Maserati? I mean, I, where do you draw that line? It's not that... It's not that easy sometimes. That's why, again, this is, it's really good. It's a great practice to have a spiritual director, I think, to run these things by, especially if it's a big-ticket item purchase. Do I really need this? Kind of have that humility to submit your judgment uh, to someone else. And that's a tough thing. A lot of people don't want to do that. So here's, here's some questions you can ask. Are you, are you really living this virtue of detachment? You're listening to the K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. If you have any thoughts on this, love to hear them. So here's a question you can ask yourself. Are you ready to give up your preferences for love of God and others? Especially people that you're living in close contact with, your family, um, your coworkers. Um, hey, I, I really want to watch, I don't know, we're coming to football season. I really want to watch the Chicago Bears, you know, season opener against as they destroy the Packers. Sorry, Packer fans. Uh, it's Jim, Jim McMahon's birthday today. Happy birthday to the punky QB, number nine. He's my favorite football player of all time. But maybe your child wants to watch something else, and it, it's killing you. But you, you give them the remote. You, you, you let them maybe record the game for later, watch it on tape delay. But we all have our preferences. We all have our creature comforts, the way that we like to do stuff. My peace, it's my time. It's my peace and quiet. It's its my time to work or do this or do that. Is it really your time? No, it's God's time. Oh, here's another question to ask yourself. What? It's kind of an examination of conscience of sorts, I guess. And 
what what financial items get you worried and stressed? Do you try to leave things in God's hands? Stop worrying about it. And, and again, we, we thank everybody for their extreme generosity in, in the pledge drive. I know a lot of you guys were doing exactly that. You're you're feeling the pinch as you were donating to Relevant Radio. And we, we appreciate that. We see you because we don't we don't stay on the air if it's not for people like you. And God sees your gifts and the intent with which you gave them. And we were so grateful for that. And again, if you didn't get a chance last week uh, during the pledge drive, you can still make a, a donation at, at RelevantRadio.com, the Relevant Radio app. We appreciate it because we, it keeps us on the air as we try to bring Christ to the world through the media. That's our mission. Are you prepared interiorly are you ready to not get what you want in in any area of your life say it's work you're expecting a raise you don't get it you're kind of shocked by that Um, you want to get the promotion it goes to someone else are you still just as happy on your drive home as as when you were driving in and and there's so many there's so many questions like this we, we can ask ourselves are, are you ready to live without complete security about the future? We don't know what's going to happen in the future. How many people would have predicted the whole COVID schmozzle going into 2020? No one would have predicted that. There's so many future events that, that are unforeseen. Are you able to trust in God and say, Jesus, I trust in you, the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Jesus, I trust in you. And, and know that he will not necessarily give you everything you want, or everything that you think is best for you, but but he will truly give you what you need and what is actually best for you, what is actually best for you. When you are thinking about making those big ticket purchases, do you pray about it ahead of time? Do you pray about it afterwards? One, um, one writer suggested that you pray before you, you spend the money and you also pray after. Take your credit card statement, look through it. And as you're doing that, make it an examination of conscience. Was all this spending really justified? Or was it, was it capricious? Was it, was it on a whim? That's, that's a powerful thing to do. Uh, actually, tomorrow on, on the Faith Explained program, we're going to see what St. Paul has to say about that. It's, the episode's going to be called Giving Jesus Your Wallet, Handing Your Wallet Over to Jesus. That's, that's often the last thing that people want to do. But he has to be Lord of all areas of our life. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So are you too attached to results in, in your work? Or, or maybe as you're trying to share your faith and people aren't responsive to it. You're, they're not, they're not. You've said, hey, you should check out Relevant Radio. Uh, I, don't, I don't really care. Come to Mass with me. Nope, not interested. Um, are you just, are you still confident as a child of God, even if, Things don't seem to be going well because if if we if we do get down about these things when things don't go our way that, that's that's a good clue that maybe we're doing this for human motives, maybe we're doing this for sort of self love self glory, and maybe we need to change our perspective a little bit and and make sure that your motive is for the glory of God, not human applause, not the satisfaction of others saying to you oh, good job great work, if you don't get that or if you don't get that pat on the back. Are you going to be just as happy? Are you doing it really for the glory of God? So there's so many things that we can say about this. Um, do how, What are our complaints like? The, what we complain about, that's that's a really good thing to think about. Those are signs that your will, are, your will is not being done. If you keep complaining about something, it probably means you're not detached from it. Um, 
the internet's not working right. Uh, there, someone used all the Keurig pods in the office. You know, was it Jim Shaper? I don't know. Maybe no. I'm only kidding. Yeah, I, I don't think he's. I don't think he's a big coffee drinker. But anyways, this is what it's all about. <laughs> Too much blood in the coffee system, as they say. So, your time. What? what it's it's my time to do this. Is it really? Do you do things when it is time to do it? Are you are you too attached to what you're doing at this moment that when it's time to go to your prayer, when it's time to, to, to leave for home, detach from your work, can you do it? Can you do it? So these are all great questions to ask ourselves about detachment. There's so many things that uh, that we could say about this, but it's just good food for thought. Good food for thought. So you're listening to the K.O. Clark Show. Call in. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. 888 And we will be right back. Explaining the Catholic faith and how you can live it and share it too. It's Kale Clark on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome back to the program. 888-914-9149 is the number to call to talk to me for free. Hey, let's go to the phones right now, actually. 888-914-9149. Let's go to Aaron in Hastings, Michigan. Hello, Aaron. Hi, Kale. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, forgive me for being off topic. No, no um, problem. My question... My question is, how do you debunk the statement that the Catholic Church is a cult? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get that a lot in your life, Aaron? Do you yeah. get that a lot from friends? <laughs> <laughs> and what, what, what sort of, what, what, let me ask you this, just as a follow-up. What, what sorts of things about the Catholic Church make people think in your life that it is a cult? Um, well, one just thinks that he's like a more of a Calvinist, so he doesn't, believe at all in the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one, it's more the sacramental, like the rosary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That they think like, oh yeah, you're praying to this thing or yeah, you're praying to Mary. And, and it's like, no, we're asking for her intercession, which mm-hmm. I've explained that to him. <clears throat> yeah. And it's yeah. like, uh, for the one that was like, uh, yeah, you, you're going to hell because you're Catholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that out there. So the intercession of Mary is obviously a popular uh, topic among non- non-Catholics in terms of things that are misunderstood. So what, what exactly is a cult? Now, actually, the word cult isn't necessarily a bad word. It has to do with worship. Uh, Israel, ancient Israel, had a cult of worship to Yahweh, Um properly understood, if you look up the dictionary definition, it's not necessarily always a bad thing. But when we talk about cult, of course, in in modern parlance, in sort of slang ways, we're talking about a religious group that exercises um, illicit control over its members and is illegitimate. It's illegitimate. Centered around stranger esoteric beliefs, if you will. and it's it's sometimes hard to define what exactly is a cult in this sort of modern way of looking at it. Uh, I remember seeing once um, a site that was put up by a couple of ex Mormons, and it, is Mormonism a cult? We did it. We did a whole series on Mormonism on the Faith Explained program, and in fact, uh, we concluded that series with an interview with Kayla Richardson, an ex Mormon who's now a Catholic. Very intriguing stuff. And I, I grew up around uh, Mormons. There's several, there's a big Mormon community where I grew up uh, in Nova Scotia, Canada. And th- these two ex-Mormons, their names are Sam and Tanner. That's, that's, they went by these handles. Um, 
and they, they used to say this on their blog, that there are patterns to recognize whether or not you're dealing with an actual cult. Um, things like the group su- suppresses any kind of skepticism. And I, I've had friends who are Jehovah's Witnesses as well. And I would sort of lump th- that group in as a, as a cult in that sense. Um, you're not allowed to question things. You're not allowed to ask questions. You're not allowed to inquire. Any, any sort of ask like that is considered a lack of faith. Um, and very often you're ostracized from the group. Uh, another, another sign of a cult in that sense is if you leave the group, if you're an ex-member of the group, you are delegitimized. In fact, you're sometimes seen as somewhat less than human. It's certainly true, I think, within, within Mormonism at some level. Um, if you leave the Mormon organization, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you are very much ostracized socially. And it's certainly true with Jehovah's Witnesses as well. I have a friend who's an ex-JW, as I mentioned. His friends and family have not spoken to him in over 20 years because he has left the Watchtower Society. Uh, another signs to watch for, the group is paranoid about the outside world. Uh, they rely on shame cycles. The leader is above the law. Uh, lots of examples of that. And I'm not saying that you know, Catholic church leaders haven't committed incredible sins because we certainly have more than enough evidence that this has happened. Uh, but it's very clear that when this happens, they, they are going against the faith. They are going against the teachings of the church. And um, we should judge the practitioners of any religion by whether or not they're actually obeying it. What's the outcome of their life when they actually live it out? People like Mother Teresa, people like the saints. It's a totally different story. Um, no financial transparency. That's always a red flag. Uh, thought reform, um, secret rights. Now you might say, well, hold on here. Um, didn't the Catholic church keep the Eucharist in secret as well in the early centuries? That is true. That is true that, uh, catechumens were only allowed to see what was going on at mass in terms of the liturgy of the Eucharist once once they had been admitted, once they had been regenerated through baptism at the Easter Vigil. Part of that was because there was a lot of misinformation that was out there in the Roman Empire about Catholicism. People thought they were cannibals. Uh, there's plenty of evidence from the ancient world that uh, people thought that they were actually eating babies. <laughs> uh, that's they, they heard rumors about the Eucharist, the flesh and blood. They're eating the flesh and blood of some guy. Uh, what's up with that? And clearly, it's kind of a, I guess you could say it's a backhanded compliment to Eucharistic realism. People thought the Eucharist was absolutely the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. And so it wasn't seen as symbolic in the early church. We know that. We see the writings of the early fathers. And the more you go back in time, Cardinal John Henry Newman said this, who was a great convert to Catholicism himself, to be deep in history is to cease to be a Protestant. Because when you look into church history, when you look at what the first believers believed, they believed Catholic stuff. These were not medieval inventions. Eucharistic realism, for example. So, and, and the thing about the, the Catholic Church is that this is open for public. And there were cults who broke away from the Catholic Church in the early centuries as well. I'm not talking about just modern day cults, but um, we talked about the Gnostics uh, some time ago on the program who broke away from the they They claim to have secret esoteric knowledge. That's a, again, right there, you got a hallmark of a cult. You have to join our group to get the real inside scoop to figure out what's really going on. I'll tell you what Jesus was really all about once you join our group. 
the Catholic faith has always been out there in the open. It's for all to see. Anybody can examine the documents of the church. Uh, They're not just shown to initiates. Anybody can read the catechism of the Catholic church. Here's what we believe. It's right there. It's public. It's a public faith. Um, Yes, there are private revelations in Catholicism that have been given to certain people, certain saints, but you don't have to believe them. Had had a big conversation about this with with a Protestant friend of mine who's been kind of sniffing around the Catholic Church for quite some time, and he keeps bringing up Marian apparitions and some of the. Obviously, the Church has approved many of the Marian apparitions, but there are others that have not been approved by the Church, and some of them, even to my mind, they're they're pretty sketchy. Some of them are pretty sketchy. I'm not talking about Lourdes. I'm not talking about Fatima. I'm not talking about Guadalupe. Some of them are sketch. And he gave me some evidence that, that one particular alleged Marian apparition may have been associated with the demonic. I, I told him, yeah, that might actually be the case. But if you want to become Catholic, you don't have to believe in any of those, even the church-approved ones. You don't have to believe in Guadalupe or Lourdes or, or, or Fatima to be a Catholic in good standing because they're private revelations at the end of the day. You have to believe in public revelation to be a Catholic. Everything that the church teaches about faith and morality, public, it's on the public record. That's what you have to believe. Now, do I believe in in Guadalupe? Yes, I personally do. I think there's great evidence for it. Same with Fatima, same with Lourdes. But if you don't, you can still be a Catholic in good standing because it's private revelation. So so that's another thing that's a differentiator there. That's for sure. So I don't know, Aaron, is this helpful in any way? Yeah. um yeah, and I was actually going to a. I'm sorry, this is a bit of a backstory, but uh, I was going to the Aaron, church. Aaron, I got I to cut you out there. Call back. I do want to hear the backstory, but call back tomorrow. We'll have a little bit more time because we've come to the end of the show. So, but hopefully that that'll help a little bit. But do call back. I, I do want to hear it. I do want to hear it. And if anybody didn't didn't get in today on the phones, we will be back again tomorrow. I apologize, Aaron. I apologize, Aaron. I only have one hour, so um, we have to leave it there uh, but if you've missed any episodes grab the podcast on the relevant radio app relevantradio.com stay tuned keep it locked on this station because our good friend Doug Hinderer is going to be you're not going to miss this guy he's a great great guy marriage and family therapist he's going to be on Timory next this is Kale Clark Jim Shaper produced Patrick Alock took your phone calls take it away Michaela thank you for listening to my daddy